and welcome to another week of the extras. Lachlan here, joined by Sam. Hello, everybody. We are cracking on in the book of Ezekiel in our second week in this series, looking at the first 11 chapters of the prophet Ezekiel. Uh, this past Sunday, we have been in chapter 2 and a bit of chapter 3, uh, having a look at Ezekiel's call to prophetic ministry. Sam, mm. give us a brief rundown of where you went there. Yeah, it was. it's an awesome section. And it kind of moves from what Ezekiel saw in chapter 1 to what he hears. And what he hears is, is God speaking to him, commissioning him um, to, to go and speak um, and to be unafraid as mm. he speaks. Um, and it's that's a big call because um, who Ezekiel's being sent to is this incredibly hardened, obstinate, stubborn set of people who um, sound like they're not going to listen because they are a rebellious house. Mm. And yet... Ezekiel is to speak fully and fearlessly and be unafraid. Um, and then God also promises that he's going to toughen Ezekiel up, make his, make his forehead as, as tough as, uh, or tougher than Flint. And um, he's going to have, uh, that's his confidence that, um, that as he goes into this difficult ministry, mm. that, that God will be with him and will help him to proclaim God's judgment word. Um, and uh, yeah, that led us to thinking a little bit about the fact that um, uh, God, God's word of uh, has to go out. Um, God's word of judgment has to go out, and that can be hard and isn't mm. often received well. Um, but um, like Ezekiel, there's a, there's a toughness required there, regardless of whether people listen mm. or not. So mm. yeah, those are some things we're thinking about. Yeah, it's a great a great passage. I'm enjoying thinking into Ezekiel. Uh, I shared that you know his hard forehead just made picture him headbutting people all around, knowing that that's not what happened at all. I think it's one of those phrases. Dinosaurs used to sit there that that knock heads together, you know. Anyway, yeah, yeah. But it's it's a great thing, and uh, for me, in some of the other services, we learned it in two Corinthians. Um, chapter two, not mm. chapter three. Thank you to those who are listening carefully and checking mm. the scriptures and picking up when I misreference something. Uh, but yes, uh, as you say, our message as Christians now is not going to be palatable for everyone. Mm. And so 2 Corinthians 2 talks about how we're the aroma of life to some, but the stench of death to others. Mm. Uh, and so that was where we went uh, with me in kind of applying Ezekiel to nice. today. Yeah. Um, but thanks for all the questions that you've sent in. We've got yep. a good bunch today. Do you want to kick us off? Yeah, I will. Um, yeah, so a couple of questions on this front. I was, we've sort of summarized these ones together. Um, but lots of people interested in the fact that God speaks to Ezekiel and calls him son of man. Mm. Kind of in, in his form of address to Ezekiel, he seems to call him son of man. A um, bunch of people uh, asking questions. Um, uh, you know, literally it means human one. Mm. Um, but people then also catching, hang on, Jesus seems to call himself son of man. Is there a connection there? What's going on? Uh, help us understand Son of Man a little bit more, Lachlan. Yeah, look, it's a really great question. It's good that people have picked up Jesus' use of that title in the Gospels. Uh, th- as a phrase, it does just mean human. And so in the kind of Hebrew language underlying, it's, it's Ben Adam, the son of Adam, mm. taking us back to the first the human first created, yep. kind of linking all of us together communally under Adam. Uh, we are humans. Uh, but when Jesus adopts the title, he's he's actually picking up a way that that's used in the book of Daniel. So a prophet that overlaps a little bit in time with Ezekiel. In Daniel chapter 7, he sees a vision, verse 13. I won't flesh out the rest of the vision, but here's here's what Jesus is picking up. Daniel 7, 13. I continued watching in the night visions, and suddenly one like a son of man was coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days and was escorted before him. He was given dominion, 
and glory and a kingdom so that those of every people, nation and language should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away. And his kingdom is one that will not be destroyed. Mm. And so there Daniel's seeing this one in his vision that looks human, looks mm. like a son of man. Mm. Uh, in Ezekiel 1 on the throne, Ezekiel kind yeah. of saw someone that looked a bit human as well. Yep. But here in Daniel, this, this human looking one is given an everlasting kingdom. Yeah. And so when Jesus turns up in the world, God in flesh as a human, he comes as the one who will receive the everlasting kingdom over all the earth. Mm. And we see that when Jesus is raised from the dead, he's speaking to the disciples. He says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Mm. He has now been exalted to the right hand of God, ruling and reigning over all mm. in fulfillment of Daniel 7. And that's the place Jesus will be for all eternity, mm. the, the true and rightful king. So that's, that's what Jesus is picking up when he says son of man, more than any link with Ezekiel there. Yeah, okay. So really, so, so what's God doing there when he, when he refers to Ezekiel in this kind of son of man kind of language? It's, it's, not, it's not, hey, Jesus, it's, yeah. it's someone else. Yeah, I think it's uh, highlighting Ezekiel's humble position before mm. the God who is majestic and holy in yeah. chapter one. Yeah. The God is so glorious yeah. in reality, but you know, he's seen as that at yeah. the start of Ezekiel. And part of the point throughout the book of Ezekiel is to highlight that holiness yeah. of God, the otherness, the That's distinctness. Right. He's, he's the one and only God. And before him, we're all mere humans. Yes, yeah, so this is not a meeting of equals as Ezekiel stands before mm. Yahweh, the glorious one. It's, it's, yeah. a, it's a human one, a son of man, standing in the presence of the glory yeah. of God. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Right. Helpful. Thank you. Over to you, Sam. Here's one for you. Uh, what difference is there between Ezekiel's mandate to the people of God mm. and the broader kind of call for, for us to go to all people? Yeah. Um, so, look, I, I think there are some th- some um, parallels we can draw, um, but it, it is worth saying that Ezekiel is is um, given a particular work for a particular time. Um, and so often the way the Spirit of God came upon people in the Old Testament was for a particular work. And Ezekiel's particular work is, is in this moment, a, a proclamation of the coming judgment of God. Mm. And we're, we're going to really kind of lean into that into the, in the weeks ahead and see exactly the kind of things that Ezekiel proclaims. Um, and so it is worth noting that Ezekiel comes at a particular time of, of salvation history to do a particular work. Mm. Um, so that, that's something to say first. But I think there are some parallels um, as you think through um, the work that we have to do in, um, as, as Christians in terms of making God's word known. Um, and I think some of the parallels, uh, we, we were talking about them a, a few moments ago, um, is that um, th- there is a world in revolt. There, the, mm. the whole, it's not just the nation of Israel that is in revolt, um, but there is a world that's in revolt against God. And that world is facing a grave, a grim threat that one day Jesus is going to return in judgment. Mm. Um, so there's some big parallels there, aren't there? Um, and when Jesus returns, he will come as judge, and that will, and after that point, it will be too late to repent. Mm. Um, so there's a there's a big parallel, and we've been given the words of eternal life uh, to to warn people. We're going to get into this in the week ahead to to warn people to say that judgment is coming. You need to repent. Um, and so, and some will listen and some will not. Um, mm. and, and at mm. one level, similar to Ezekiel, uh, whether or not they listen isn't, isn't actually in our control. We simply need to warn and speak and um, tell people of, of what is to come. So I think there are some big parallels mm. while also noting, you know, we're not the prophet Ezekiel and we're not 
sent specifically to the to the people of Israel in this particular time. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I suspect that that's where um, uh, the, the parallels are. So our ma- our mandate is um, it's also we're saying we don't just have a message of judgment. Um, we also we, we have a message that judgment is coming, but if you trust in Jesus. Uh, one has already come who, mm. who stood mm. before the wrath of mm. God so that you can be saved. Um, and so we actually present a, uh, a message of, um, of, of genuine hope and... Yeah. Uh, a means of escape. Yeah, of, exactly. Yeah. So I don't... Does that, does that help kind of get us there in terms of the parallel between his mandate and ours? Yeah, I think that's helpful. Uh, there's another aspect perhaps here because we have a message for the world. Mm. Is there also an aspect here of us applying this speaking just within the church of God, do you think? Yeah, um, I, I think so. Um, I mean, there's lots of ways you, you can take that. Um, so there's a sense in which, like I, I've been talking in terms of big picture, the gospel message. Mm. Um, and, and I think that's probably the, the, the best way to sort of think think about the parallels here. Because um, I think that, that that's where... Ultimately, if you come to Christ, you are safe from mm, God's coming judgment. Mm. I think that's the that's yeah. the heart of it. Is there a, 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 a on a more micro level, perhaps on an individual level, that as there's there may be a, a fellow brother or sister who's wandering? Um, again, I think it's perhaps where this week's passage comes to a bit closer, um, where we might warn them if they're if they're mm. sort of drifting from Jesus. Um, that the, the message of our of our warning though would be the same. I think, which is to say yeah. to them, Hey, Jesus is the only way to be saved. Don't 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 walk away from yeah, him yeah, yeah. and and you know it might be that there's a particular issue that's raised that but it would be to call them back via the gospel to jesus mm. yeah great thanks Sam. um okay for you mate um uh somebody's texted in that they see a lot of similarities between israel as depicted in ezekiel and mm-hmm. our present culture mm-hmm. we've just been talking about this. yeah uh, both are deeply rebellious towards god um while our nations aren't in a covenant relationship with yahweh is there some sort of collective guilt and judgment that we, I guess, in our culture, face like Israel? Yeah, it's an interesting question to ponder. I I don't think there is. The one place that you might draw that kind of thinking from in the New Testament that I can think of is Jesus' story in Matthew 25, where he talks about the sheep and the goats. Mm. And in the way that Jesus frames that story in Matthew 25, he does seem to talk about nations, mm. how nations are acting in response to him. Mm. Uh, now, I, I don't think that the kind of implication of that story is that nations have a particular collective guilt mm. uh, i think the relationship that god formed with israel is unique across yeah. history he chose a people there yeah. yeah and the the goal of that choice he says even back when he makes the promises to abraham is so that uh there'd be blessing to all the nations so mm. they're this starting point that then flows out to everyone else mm. um i think even within Ezekiel, on the topic of collective guilt, one of the things that Ezekiel does is highlight actually individual guilt. Mm. That although judgment is coming on the whole nation, yeah. yes, in the form of exile, individuals bear responsibility before God. Yeah. So he's moving... Earlier in the Old Testament, that individual guilt is there as well. But Ezekiel kind of moves and highlights that perhaps mm. in ways that earlier parts of God's revealed word haven't highlighted quite so much. Mm. So one example of that is where we're coming this Sunday. Uh, the the text highlights that it's a particular wicked person or a particular righteous person that Ezekiel's speaking to. Uh, gets brought out even more over in Ezekiel chapter 18, where Ezekiel pushes back on the idea that you know parents 
uh, are responsible for judgment that comes on their sons, mm. uh, which you might draw that implication from other parts of God's word. But Ezekiel's going, no, no, that's not the way that God is working here. Mm. Um, this exile in particular is not the result of your parents' sin. Mm. It's your sin. Mm. Uh, but more than that, it's an individual's sin. And so he highlights each individual person and whether they are acting wickedly or whether they have acted righteously and responded rightly to God. It's not dissimilar to um, Jeremiah 31. You know, we, we know Jeremiah 31, 31 for that new covenant, mm. kind of a new covenant I'm making with you. But right before that is, you know, in the past, the, the parents ate sour grapes and the children's teeth were mm. set on edge, you know, mm. like the, and the, and the image there is kind of like dad, dad did something wrong and therefore son or daughter gets punished for it. You know, they eat the sour grape, but the kids' teeth are kind of, yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, and actually he says, no more will it be like that. And instead, each one will die for their own sin. Yes. There's, a, there's a sort of move from collective responsibility to individual. Um, and yeah, again, like you said, we're going to see that. Um, if, if, if an individual repents in Ezekiel's preaching, well, they'll be saved. Mm. Uh, whereas mm. if an individual doesn't, they won't be. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Next question for you, Sam. Uh, what are we to do with angry, grumpy Christians mm. who are unwilling to discuss, grow, or to be open to the fact that they might be wrong? Um, yeah, thanks for texting that in. Um, I, I suspect this was connected to a, to a, a passing comment that I, that I did make in the sermon uh, where I was talking about um, the fact that Ezekiel wasn't gleeful in the fact that judgment is being pronounced. In fact, quite the opposite. He's quite overwhelmed and distressed about it and actually goes quiet for, for, for mm. a season. Um, and, and we kind of leave him in this sort of what's going to happen next moment um, where God said, go and speak my word of judgment. And Ezekiel, we, we leave him sitting silent for, for a mm. week. Um, and I, I made a, just a point in passing that... Um, sometimes there can be a sense that some people just love the idea of God's judgment. They're always gleeful in it. They're kind mm. of, um, I use the image of, you know, standing here, lighting the sparklers and cheering, you know. Um, and uh, and I said, so there is a form of Christianity that I think is just angry all the time and delights in speaking angry words and mm. kind of just uh, rather than, um, I think, what you see. There's something admirable, even though Ezekiel um, hasn't obeyed God and God and spoken, but there's something a- admirable about his, he, he gets that when God's judgment comes, it's going to mean real things for real people and it's going to be devastating and, and, and he's overwhelmed by mm. that. Um, and so I was just I was speaking kind of a note of compassion as in the way that we, we speak about judgment. Um, so that was sure. the point I think yeah. I was trying to make there. Um, what do you do with those who are um, kind of gleeful in, in their proclamation of, of mm. God's judgment? I think the first thing is don't, don't be that person. Don't, don't um, always, we always want to preach um, the judgment of God with tears, mm. um, not, not with mm. joy. Um, mm. We, 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 we cry and we mourn and you're going to see Ezekiel even wrestle with God and say, come on, God, that's like, like almost want to withhold God's hand a little bit uh, because there's a real sense in which the judgment of God is, is so awful mm. that we, 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 we can't, um, we can't rejoice in it. And yet from a theological point of view, we do rejoice in it because it's right mm. and it is sweet mm. and good. Um, but it, it means real things for real people. And so I think there's this tension that a Christian needs to rightly have, which is yeah. to say, yes, God is right in the pronouncement of judgment, but gee, it's awful for what that means yeah. for, for any one person. Um, when you come across someone like that, I, I think trying try to show them the, um, the, the heart of God expressed um, through the personal work of Jesus Christ, um, who you know looks out over Jerusalem like a like you know he says I, I, how I wish I could gather you up as a as a mother mm. hen gathers mm. you under my wings. He's got real compassion for the lost and for the crowd, such that he goes and dies for them 
so that he takes the anger, not them, and then calls them to trust in him. And I think um, sometimes that's possible in the context of a relationship. It's generally not possible on a Twitter thread or a Facebook thread or an Instagram or whatever. Um, you're generally not going to have much win there by by calling somebody out in those spaces. Um, no one really, people rarely change their mind online, is my observation. Yeah. Um, but sometimes in person, um, uh, sometimes through conversation and dialogue, that can happen. Mm. Anyway, mm. I don't know if that's helpful. Mm. Yeah. Relationships take patience and mm. perseverance, particularly mm. in you know, continuing to love those that might be a bit resistant to receiving that love. And yeah. Yeah. But we patiently persevere. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, let, let's keep rolling along. Um, someone's texted in Lachlan about uh, the doctrine of predestination and how does that fit in with whether or not we listen to God's word? I, I guess here, you know, um, Ezekiel's audience is a mixed bag, whether they listen or fail to listen. Yeah. Uh, how does that fit in with uh, uh, predestination and our, our thinking there? Yeah, it's a good question to ponder. I, I don't want to say too much here because we've hit this topic recently. And so a few weeks ago on the extras, we were chatting with Peter yep. about the stretch night that we had from mm. Hebrews on you know the perseverance of the saints, running with perseverance. So go back and listen to that episode. Yeah. That episode throws back to a couple of years ago when I think you, Sam, and yeah. Jack talked for three long hours <laughs> about did. predestination from Romans 9. Yep. So all of those episodes are there as well. Yep. If you're wrestling with predestination, yep. go back and have a listen and have a read of much that's there. Uh, but I think to, to simply say here, predestination, uh, God, God knows and has well, more than that. He has chosen those who will respond to his word. Uh, in the book of Ezekiel, it's not not many. Mm. Won't be till chapter six that we get any hint that actually some will listen. Mm. Here at this point, yes, he says whether they listen or not, but it feels pretty ominous, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. He says later they will not listen. They're not willing to listen. Mm. So we don't get a sense that anyone actually will hear this at mm. this point. But by chapter six, God says, "I'll keep a remnant, mm. just this very few who will last," and you know that's purely His mercy at that point. No one deserves to be spared this judgment within the people of Israel. Everyone has rebelled against him. So God selects a remnant there. And that ties into kind of the broader discussion about gospel proclamation and whether people listen or not. God knows who will listen. Uh, I wish I knew that I didn't look up the particular chapter. You might know, Sam. In the book of Acts, Mm -hmm. Paul is preaching somewhere and he might be a bit discouraged, but then he says something along the lines of, or the author says something on the lines of all those whom God had appointed to life oh, that one. believed. Do you know where that one is? Oh, uh, not, not off the top of my head, no. All right. We're going to have to chase that up and come back to you listeners. Uh, but there's one place in the book of Acts where the proclamation of the gospel, uh, you know, Paul is given confidence to preach because he knows that actually some will listen, those that God has chosen to listen. Uh Those who don't listen are not those that God has chosen. So there's kind of a short answer of how these connect. Uh, A good book to read on this, Evangelism and the Sovereignty of God by J.R. Packer. Because one of the things that we might do as we think about uh, predestination and gospel proclamation, we might go, what's the point? Uh, Why do I need to go and preach? God will just save those that he's chosen to save anyway. Uh, But no, that's not the right implication from our thoughts on predestination, mm. uh, we still need to go and preach. Yeah. 
And that's the means by which God will save those whom he has chosen, those who will listen. Did you find it? Yeah, it's, a, it's Acts 13, um, verse 48. Um, when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and honoured the word of the Lord and all who were appointed for eternal life mm. believed. I think I might have been conflating two parts of Acts, actually. That one's really good. And there's another point, I think, where Paul's he says, freaking uh, out and he has a vision or he's right. the word of God. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and he says, uh, yep. Uh, I have many in this city. Yeah. Is that the one? Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I do. Oh, hang Is that on. Corinth? Yeah. Anyway, let's keep rolling along. Acts 18. Acts 18, verse 9 and 10. Uh, yeah, the Lord said is. to Paul in a night vision, Don't be afraid, but keep on speaking and don't be silent, for I'm with you, and no one will lay a hand on you to hurt you, because I have many people in this city. Mm. Yeah. So there's a couple of places where gospel proclamation is based on the confidence that God will yep. save some that he has chosen. Yep. Good stuff. Last question for you, Sam. Uh, I understand that we're called to be open about our faith and intentionally spread the good news of Jesus, that he uses us to bring about his will. But isn't it limiting God and putting him in a box to say with certainty that revival will not happen without the word of God being spread? So, Sam, you spent mm. some time on Sunday talking a little bit about yeah, yeah. revival. Mm -hmm. uh, can't God do what he wants by mm. whatever means he wants? Mm. He uses us, sure, but he doesn't rely on us or need us to bring people to him, does he? Yeah, thanks for asking this. Um, uh, I, I appreciate the engagement on this. And, and I, I actually think I want to push back um, fairly firmly um, on, on that way of thinking because um, I think it's, it's trying to uphold something right that God is sovereign and free um, and, and, and But if you follow that thought, you might think, well, God is sovereign and free and can do what he wants. Um, so therefore, God can save people however he wants. And if God wants to, you know, um, bypass the gospel and just bring people to heaven, mm. he, he, he could do that if he wants. Now, I, I, while that is possibly logically like a, a fair point, to, a fair kind of path to take in your thinking, it seems to actually conflict with the way that God has revealed how he intends to do it, that, mm. that God has actually bound himself both to the gospel, that it's only through faith in Jesus Christ that you'll be saved, and he's bound himself to the to the fact that that word is to be preached on the lips of people. Um, and so, uh, I mean, you see that um, in, throughout the book of Acts, um, the hero is the word of God as it is spread mm. and taught mm. and shared, and the word of God spreads um, but it, it doesn't spread without people sharing it. It it, um, it doesn't spread kind of, um, yeah, in any other way than as people evangelize and preach. Um, likewise, um, we were talking before um, we started recording, Lachlan, a little bit about um, the way that Paul describes his own ministry in 2 Corinthians 3 and 4 mm. and, and this idea that, you know, when, when the old covenant is read, it, you know, it's like people are, are veiled and can't see. But when the new covenant is read, it's like, we can now with unveiled faces approach um, the glory of God. And it's really uh, only as we take that new covenant word to people um, that they be saved. Um, it's interesting as you talk about Acts, uh, I remember reflecting on this with Cornelius. Mm -hmm. right? Cornelius gets a vision mm. and you'd think, well, maybe that's all that's needed for him to be saved. Yeah. But what does God do in the vision? He says, go send for this guy, Peter, yeah. who can come and tell you about Jesus. That's exactly right. So, you know, God can use visions and I yeah. trust that he still does today in yeah. many parts of the world. Yeah. Uh, but I, I don't know many times, I haven't heard many stories where those visions are kind of the end point. Yeah. Well, and that, that's often an argument that people make. And uh, it's just getting 
like I spent a fair bit of time with Muhammad, who oversees our Iranian church, mm. and um, previously with with Nima, who who has been in in that role, is now overseas, uh, reaching out to people of Persian background in California, and um, both of them will tell you, yeah, visions God gives them, particularly it seems to people from uh, the Muslim majority mm. world, um, but they are not visions that give the person the gospel. Yeah. They are visions where they say, hey, go and find this Christian or go mm. to this church. And mm. then they go to the church and they hear the gospel and they get yeah. converted. Um, yeah. Because God has has bound his work in the world to people and so therefore calls us to speak. And so now in Ezekiel's case, for Ezekiel not to speak would be um, a, 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 an act of disobedience and defiance of God. And actually, that's what we're going to see this mm. week is that if Ezekiel doesn't speak, their blood is on on his head because he is the means that God is using um, to speak to Israel. Um, now, could God do something else? Of course, God could skyride in the sky, or God could, you know, jump into people's heads or whatever. But He chooses to work through people. That's that's His mm. sovereign, gracious will. Um, and I think the same is true in the New Testament. Could God bypass us? Well, theoretically, yes, but I, He chooses not to. He chooses to use weak, humble mere people mm. son of men <laughs> sons mm. of men like you and i to proclaim his word and that is both a great privilege um what a what a wonderful thing god doesn't need us but he includes us what a cool mm. thing mm. Um, but it's also a great responsibility such that if we our not speaking um it is a is, is something that we would that's a big responsibility to to kind of miss uh, mm. if, if we don't speak we're perhaps holding back on um, on somebody. And it's interesting, Jesus says to Peter, what you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and what you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. I'm giving you the keys of the kingdom. If Peter chooses not to share the gospel, mm. it's almost like that will have a heavenly impact. Mm. And if Peter chooses mm. to share the gospel, yeah, so he has the ability to, to withhold or, or release the word and that's going to have eternal impact. Mm. Um, and I think the same is, there's something true about our own gospel preaching, mm. which... That's a big responsibility to speak then, isn't it? Yeah. 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 I just, as we're talking about revival here, and I, we haven't said too much in answer to that question there, but um, let's keep praying for it. I, I don't know yeah. if that's what you were saying on Sunday. It was 100%. We talk revival, my, my point was, I, I, gee, I hope that is what what God does, yeah. um, but, it, but it won't happen if we don't proclaim yeah. the gospel. And so yeah. what needs to be happening is the, the word of God needs to be on mm. our lips and we need mm. to be unafraid. Um, unashamed and, and willing and certainly not fudging on what the word says, um, mm. not changing it, hoping to get a hearing by kind of making it better or easier or, but saying this is what God says and trusting that God has bound himself to that gospel word and will work through it. Um, and let's pray that he would. Yeah. And we, we do that with the confidence that unlike Ezekiel, you know, mm. some will listen. Now. Yeah. yeah. Some will you know, receive us as that aroma of life. Some will turn to Jesus and receive right. salvation. And That's it. Yeah, great confidence to go out and proclaim mm. the word. Yeah. Sam, thanks for your time. Thanks for chatting with me about Ezekiel 2 and 3. Pleasure. Uh, we're finishing off Ezekiel 3 this coming week. Ezekiel yeah. commissioned as the watchman for yeah. Israel. Will give any more of a teaser than that? Oh, yeah. The watchman's a cool little image of um, a little bit like um, in the ancient days, as you were worried about armies coming to invade you, you know, under the cover of darkness, you'd have watchmen uh, stationed outside the city, kind of keeping a lookout. Mm. And they had a huge responsibility because if they spot a, a foreign army coming mm. uh, in a hostile fashion, they have to run to the city and go, look out, everybody, run, they're coming. Um, Ezekiel's kind of ministry uh, is likened to that. Um, but the enemy is is actually the Lord. 
uh, mm. c- coming in judgment mm. on his people. And uh, and if Ezekiel doesn't doesn't speak in that fashion, God says to him, "Your the Israelites' blood is on your head." Um, so Israel uh, Ezekiel really yeah. needs to speak. And so I guess it just further underscores the importance of um, Ezekiel. Um, obeying and being faithful in his ministry um, and I think likewise for us there's a a broad kind of we were talking earlier in the episode about um, there's a kind of connection to our our New Testament ministry um, there's such an imperative for the gospel word to go out from us yeah yeah it's gonna be a good Sunday uh, maybe we need to go find some ram's horn trumpets to blow like watchmen <laughs> or set off the fire alarm to be an example of yeah. you know warning alarms yeah but it should be a good time sitting again under God's word Uh, in this book of Ezekiel that's unfamiliar to many, but hopefully starting to make a bit of sense as we work through it. All of God's word is good. All of it is useful and makes us wise for salvation. So keep working hard with us in this text. We'll see you on Sunday. See you then.